Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. On this episode, I'm responding to letters from you guys. So this might be the episode I've been looking forward to the most. And if you didn't know, you can reach out to me through Instagram or email and let me know what you would like to hear about or have directly answered from your life. So I think part of the reason I've been excited about today's concept it's because it makes the trailer cast feel larger in a way. Like right now, it's just me in here. But when I hear from you, I remember that like sound travels and that wherever you are right now, we are in some way together. So I know that's a tangent, but what I, I wanted to do is I wanted to invite you to do two things this week. To really consider if there is something you have gone through or are going through that you would like to ask me about. Your name is kept anonymous just in case that's something that would hold you back. But whatever it is that drew you to listen to this podcast, consider what question that part of you may have. And the second thing, I would love it if you would share something about this podcast. If something sparks in you while listening, do it on social media or tell a friend, whatever, wherever, but share what you are learning with the world. That is the beauty of learning or growing or being inspired is that it comes to us freely so we can freely share it. Putting that back into the world, you know, your in-process thoughts and responses, it makes it better for all of us. I love when one of you lets me know how you interacted with an episode or how you felt like I was speaking directly to your situation. You know, it at once makes me feel connected to you and also to something bigger than all of us because of how connected our experiences really are. So all that to say Share. Share with us what you are taking from our time together. And if you're doing it on social media, use the TrailerCast hashtag so we can really all be a part of it. Onward with the show. This is the first letter I received, and it's the first one I get to answer, so I'm particularly excited. Here we go. Dear Elise, how does your marriage survive? I would love to hear your insights on balancing the role of wife and mother. Not a new topic or an easy answer but it's still my favorite question to ask. I love my husband, but it's hard. I don't want to always feel like we are just surviving, getting through it, waiting till they're older. Maybe share how you have seen therapy benefit marriages and relationships. Signed, married with kids. Awesome. This is such a great question and a great place for us to jump in. I think where I'd like to start married with kids is that there is truly no such thing as balance. I think that maybe balance got us through a lot of things when we were in college, um, having to balance school and friends and work and figuring out who we are and and all the social things that come when we don't have the constructs of family present. Um, And balance can get us a long way when we're able to um, coordinate and organize. But as soon as you have children and you're balancing marriage, kids, possibly job, um, 
all the personalities, and then you also become quickly outnumbered by having more children than adults, balance goes out the window. And this is where integration comes in. And I know this is like a mother thing, like multitasking, but really when you think about integration, is there a way that you're able to simultaneously attend to your children, attend to yourself, get all the things going Um, because you're really not going to have that time anymore of this is my time, this is your time, this is our time. That season is probably done for right now. And I don't want that to sound daunting, but I want that to sound realistic. Because here's the thing with integrating the specific role of wife and mom. You're never going to be singularly one of those anymore. When you are with your children, you are still a wife. And when you are with your husband, you are still a mom. And so maybe starting there, maybe realizing that um, you will hold all of those roles all the time. And that doesn't make you less, it, it makes you more. It makes you more than you were before. And so maybe really just embracing and stepping into that chaos, albeit, but also that idea that you are doing it all. You are a mom and a wife and a woman and a daughter and a sister and a friend. You are all those things. So you're rocking, lady. Maybe this is the thing that's going to help you understand the idea of integration. My most important thing I could say to any mom ever is you are a concept. You are a concept, not a concrete object. When we consider what it's like in our role as a mom, I think sometimes we hold ourselves to the standard that our kids are going to remember every single detail of every single moment of, of their lives with us and that they have this report card that they're somehow checking Oh, mom showed up today. Mom was late today. Mom was this today. And they're holding that um, all the time. But they're literally not capable of holding all those concrete details. We really are an abstraction. And I don't say that to devalue the role of mom, but I say it to, um, to really highlight the idea that there is grace and freedom and, and space for you to move and the idea that your kids are not going to hold you to this impossible standard. So why are you holding yourself to that? Give yourself some room to know that you are a concept. You know, when you think back, maybe even to your own childhood, you have a smattering of memories about your mom, but really you hold an idea of her. You hold the idea of mom as something, uh, maybe nurturing or present or comforting or fun or whatever it is that really idealized who your mom was. And so you're living into that right now as well. And so you're not needing to hyper-focus on balancing being a great mom and being a great wife. Uh, Take that off. You are an idea, and so you're going to win a lot. So you're going to have this opportunity to realize that you're doing a great job. You are there enough. You are fun enough. You are present enough. And that might allow you to um, integrate um, the idea of being a wife because he is more aware. They are more aware of how we attend to them in this season as well. So the battle between wife and mom is really going to be one experience. It's no longer going to be two. So I want you just maybe to consider about how you can merge those two ideas. Um, Find out what matters to your husband. I feel like that was something I had to quickly learn in my marriage Um, have you guys, I don't know if you've ever done the love languages test. It's pretty old school, but it's definitely worth the visit. Um, Gary Chapman does this five love languages and you can take a test online. There's a book. It's great. 
And you really get to find out like, how do you experience love? And then how do you give love? And so um, being the therapist, I make my husband take every single test available. And (laughs) I'm sure he loves that. But what I realized was that my husband particularly appreciates it when I have done like an uh, cleaned up the house or uh, done the dishes or something, whereas I am so, so much more emotional. So I would so much more prefer to have written him a letter to show him how much I love him, to um, to come home and tell him all the things I appreciate about him. And so that would be the difference between acts of service and words of encouragement. And we express our love differently. So I know that I need to figure out quickly what matters to my husband? How is he really going to know that I love him? Not only in the way I want to express it, but in the way he's actually going to receive it. And so I started figuring out, is there a way that I can express my my love to him in this super concrete way, which doesn't feel like love to me, um, and just see, just see what happens. So long short of it, now almost nine years into our marriage, what we do is um, we find ways to love each other in a way we know that the other person's really going to really pick that up. So here's case in point. This last week, my husband, if I ever doubted that he loved me, did the most sacrificial thing according to his love language ever. I woke up and next to my bed was this little note and right swoon. Here's my note. And it says, you know, at least thank you. And I'm not even going to go into all the details, but I cried. And I just, the note was enough, right? Because that's my love language. But next to the note, was the brand new iPhone. Now let me explain. Jesse is, um, he's more than tech savvy. He is like tech, <laughs> tech nerdy. Okay. He has stood in line for every single, um, iPhone ever at the Apple store. He had like the first gen iPod. He taught himself code. This man loves technology. Okay. He used his upgrade to get me a new phone. That is love. Every time I look at it, I know that this specific phone represents his like sacrificial love for me. As lame as that analogy may sound, he he loved me from a very unique part of himself and that felt really cool. Again, the note would have totally sufficed. Don't tell him that because I'm also loving the phone. But Learn your partner. Think about what it means to love them in a way that they're going to know that, yeah, that that counts. That felt, it hit the nail on the mark, you know? Also, I feel like keep it spicy. I feel like that would be my other like best um, marriage advice. Have fun. Be funny. Keep it spicy. Um, one of my favorite things to do, honestly, is to send super inappropriate text messages to my husband at a time where I hope to make him feel a little bit red in the face. Um, you can come up with your own text messages. (laughs) Okay, as for therapy, therapy can be extremely beneficial for sure, right? Because it gives you this unbiased third party. But don't go so long that you feel broken in it. Do you know? Like sometimes we analyze something until we kill it. So if you're looking to enhance your marriage, I would try some other resources like marriage retreat, couples group, something through a church or a marriage Bible study something like that before you go to therapy for your marriage if you are looking for personal growth and enhancement, okay? Because we don't want to put something into a cycle unless we unless we need to, okay? But the big things, the big things, if you have things in your marriage that you can't seem to get around, you're having the same fight every single time. There's underlying resentment, lying, cheating, addiction, um, 
I mean the big, the biggies. We go to therapy right away for those things because that is, if that gets buried, that is something that feels almost like um, impossible to recover from sometimes. So go to therapy earlier if that's what's happening because it allows you to get through it sooner. So the small things that we go to therapy for to increase your emotional intimacy, your learn better patterns of communication. You just, you want to grow together. You want to learn together and you want someone to kind of take you through it. That's a therapist's dream, right? Someone who comes to therapy before it's a broken mess. Yep. So here's the last thing I want to say. Married with kids, this is hard. And wanting to have a marriage that is more than surviving says a lot about who you are. So my thought is your husband is already a lucky man who has a wife that's raising a family and also thinking about having a rocking marriage. So you're already well on your way. The next letter I received goes like this. Dear Elise, I'm so grateful for your podcast on diagnosis. About a year and a half ago, I had my first panic attack after an argument with my husband at the movie theater. We were on our way to watch the new Star Wars movie and got into a pretty heated argument about politics and children. When the movie started, I began to feel really hot and couldn't control my breathing. I just had this horrible feeling something bad was going to happen. My vision got hyper-focused, and I just felt like I was going to explode. I told my husband, we have to leave now. We both thought I was just really upset about the fight and kind of brushed it off. But then later that night, I couldn't sleep. I called my mom and just told her I felt like something really bad was going to happen. It's been a year and a half, and I have not been able to shake that something bad is going to happen feeling. My mom is my rock, and she was there for me every step of the way when I was diagnosed with anxiety. I've had many panic attacks, once even at, a, at work in a room full of executives. My anxiety comes with a lot of physical symptoms, some that have made me too worried that I have MS, Parkinson's, or something autoimmune. I find myself obsessing over every little body sensation and having constant tingling in my face and sometimes in my arms and legs. Every doctor, including two neurologists, have told me it's anxiety, but for some reason I come back to the same obsessive thoughts that I have something wrong with my body and I'm going to wind up paralyzed and suffering. About a year ago, my mom started having the same exact physical sensations as me. She has been through MRIs, CAT scans, blood panels, neurology tests, and they tell her it's anxiety as well. How can this be? My days are spent from you have anxiety to you have something seriously wrong with you physically. I, conf I feel confused a lot of the time and tend to do way too much WebMDing about both anxiety and neurology conditions. I hope I get an answer in one of your episodes. Thank you. Anxious and afraid. Ouch. First, my heart goes out to you in that super suffery place when you're having a lot of physical symptoms manifest, whether they are related to anxiety or to a neurological condition, they're crushing. And they're crushing because you really, you can't take yourself off, you know? When we have something that's going on outside of ourselves, we can kind of turn it down and attend to other things. But when you have symptoms present within yourself, it's suffocating. Um, it becomes like this inner claustrophobia because you really can't escape your immediate experience of yourself. And so I want to answer you immediately uh, regarding what's going on and tell you what you can do. And then we'll talk about what else might be going on in the background. So since you're a WebMDer, I'm suspecting you're also a Googler. I want you to try searching EMDR. 
Okay, this is a specific therapy and it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. This is a phenomenal therapy for your specific like cross section of physical symptoms and um, the, like, the, and the psychological diagnosis of anxiety. It is for sure out there. Okay, so let me preface that. When I was in grad school and I first heard about EMDR, I was insulted that they brought somebody in who told me that we could just do this technique and that would solve somebody's problem when I had just spent all these years and money learning how to help people. And so I couldn't hold both at the same time. I even went to the director of our program and said how offensive it was that they brought this person in to tell me about EMDR <laughs> because um, I'm learning to be a therapist. <laughs> so for whatever it's worth, um, all these years later, I'd had a couple friends go and do EMDR for their own work. And I thought, okay, come on. These are friends I respect. These are friends that are fellow therapists. These are friends that actually have similar suffering to my own. And if they're going, there's got to be something to this. Okay. So here's the deal with EMDR. You, you are literally using a bilateral stimulation. Sometimes that's through eye movement, but otherwise um, it could be some type of um, catalyst that allows you to move information from one part of your brain to another part of your brain and taking out like the sting, if you will, of the original injury trauma experience that you had that lodged that part, um, that lodged that experience in your brain in a way that you can't keep, you can't make sense of it otherwise. And so you feel it in the here and now, even though it's a there and then uh, situation. So here's the thing. I decided I was going to go to this training. So I went to the EMDR training and I am the biggest skeptic in the room. I'm like, I, okay guys, I have been through it. I have been in therapy since I was probably 10 years old um, try me was kind of my attitude when I got there. So I applied myself to the learning. I understood the techniques. And then it was our time to sit in a room and allow somebody else to practice the style of therapy. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to give her a doozy. I've been working on one particular relationship for a long time. It's very central to who I am. And so I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I tell her what I want to work on and not joking, in this weekend, with a therapist who is just learning these techniques, I genuinely felt more movement or healing, um, more progress in this relationship than I had in probably 10 years of therapy. There is an experiential component to EMDR that is, goes beyond your intellectual processing. It takes it to a different level and I was like, bring me all the Kool-Aid. I want to drink the Kool-Aid. Um, I finished the training I'm, and I can't say enough about it. As a patient of EMDR, I am all in. As a practitioner of EMDR, I cannot say enough about getting to offer this to the people I work with now. I literally wanted to call up all the people I'd ever worked with to say, wait, come in, you have to try this now too. And I have had some of my um, OG people come back to work on EMDR and to work on some of their original trauma. I can't tell you enough about it, okay? So Google it, find somebody in your area that is um, certified in EMDR and then let me know, okay? Start there. Beyond that, I hear that you are hurting and, and afraid, and I really believe that that's worth taking care of. 
a couple of questions that I would ask you if we were sitting together is, what hurt and pain are you already experiencing? Is there anything beneath the physical symptoms you are focusing on? You know, because sometimes, much like in my own story, we manifest physical symptoms of an emotional or psychological reality. So what hurts? What's hurt you? And why are you staring so intensely at this one thing? What can you not see because you are now so singularly focused on what is wrong with you? Wrestle with that. And definitely do some EMDR, because here's the thing with anxiety or depression or any other symptom that presents itself physically. Whether they are real or imagined or because of something neurological or pain-related or because of an old injury or whether it's seasonal, whatever it is, they deserve to be treated. You deserve to be treated. Whatever it is that takes you through the door, be thankful for it. Sometimes that's the hard part is just getting there. Get through the door. Then let someone else do the researching and digging and weeding through. Get into good hands and allow yourself to be cared for. That might alleviate some of your symptoms right away. Next, your sweet mama. What a perfect picture of what we are like as moms, huh? Feeling our kids' things. Okay, in this case, possibly quite literally, I think she's feeling your anxiety. And now she's having her own symptoms as well. So here again, for your anxious mama, get some relief from this heavy restricting garment. I would treat the symptoms first, and then I would explore what feelings of helplessness there are. What do you wish you could solve that you can't? What experiences with powerlessness have you had? Maybe that is part of what is coming up for, for you now. That's what I would think. Because I think sometimes we can love someone so hard we lose space. We get kind of blurry in where they start and where we stop. Do you know what I mean? And maybe think of it like this. Do you ever get a physical sensation when you look at someone you love? Your kids, for instance. Like when they're sleeping, do you feel that pang in your heart or get a little teary-eyed? Do you have a physiological response even though you're not physically connected? And so if these symptoms are directly connected to your daughter's experience of anxiety, I would encourage you to consider what within you needs some attention, some love, and consider how powerful it might be to be connected in health and in freedom rather than in anxiety and stuckness. I'm sending healing vibes your way, and I would love to hear what happens with EMDR. Feel free to ask me any questions you have about that as well, okay? Okay, so that's what we got for today. For those of you listening in, I hope you get to borrow from this time, whatever it is you needed for today, for your own pain or question or loneliness. May you know we are all connected in this place of experience. You are not alone. Quite the contrary. We are so very, very related. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 